0: Scott Reed. This is the first of what is hopefully many podcasts about the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. This will be a part fan-led and part, I guess, semi-objective opinion of the Georgia Tech football team. And if it is successful, we'll continue to talk Georgia Tech basketball as we get in later to the year. But let me first introduce myself. I'm Scott Reed. I've grown up a Georgia Tech fan, was born in 1990, the year that, of course, the Jackets won the national title. I went to, or I am told that I went to all of the home games as an infant, and really since then it just kind of blossomed, and and I've always been a Tech fan my entire life. I'm now 22, uh, for those of you who can do the math, here in 2012, and I've been been going to games ever since I can remember. been to numerous road games, championship games, bowl games, uh, and of course home games at Bobby Dodd Stadium, Uh, and I'm a big fan, and I'm going to try to take that into this this podcast and really maybe provide, provide a voice for some of the fans that really we don't have a lot of the news outlets a lot of the outlets to talk about uh, yellow jackets that some other sp- uh, football college football teams and college sports teams do around the southeast so hoping to provide another outlet for that in the near future so uh, I'll be taking that experience to this podcast as well and I'll try to at, at times step back and be somewhat impartial um, when we talk about our jackets and Uh, We'll see if I'm able to do that as the season progresses. The plan, guys, uh, is to do about uh, one time a week until the season opener, September 3rd, of course, against Virginia Tech up in Blacksburg. And then after that, to do a podcast twice a week, one uh, the day following uh, the game, usually Sunday or in in the first week's case, a Tuesday, uh, which I can talk about my thoughts about the game the previous day. Uh, and then later in the week, as we get closer to the next game, I will do a preview episode uh, in which we'll look forward to the fo- that that next Saturday's game uh, for Georgia Tech. So both of those, uh, h- hoping to do that twice a week, as I said, during the fo- during the football season, and uh, it'll be football focused for the most part for the fall. Although I do love Georgia Tech basketball and Georgia Tech baseball, but basketball also holds a special place in my heart. And if this is successful and I decide to continue doing it, then. Uh, we'll likely see an extension into the winter to talk about some Georgia Tech Hoops. But for now, let's talk about Georgia Tech basketball. Uh, excuse me, let's talk about Georgia Tech football. And really, let's uh, let's get right on to it here. We're in the middle of August. August 16th is the day of this podcast. About between two and three weeks uh, before the Virginia Tech game that Monday night. I'm hoping to go uh, up there to Blacksburg to make the trek, as I'm sure are many of you uh, looking to make that trip. I, I did make that trip back in 2006, when uh, we had, of course, Calvin, Calvin Johnson, and Reggie Ball. Uh, that was the year we won the Coastal Championship in the Atlantic Coast Conference, and uh, we put a little bit of a shellacking on the Hokies that year. I believe it was 38-27 was the final, and I was up there for that with my father. Uh, and uh, we'll do more preview of the Virginia Tech game as we get closer. Preview of the Hokies, uh, so we don't want to dwell too much on that, except to note that really. When I look at the way this off-season has progressed, and we'll talk about uh, the off-season and summer practice as we get later in this podcast, but really the whole tone of it, I think, has been affected by the addition, uh, by the movement of this Virginia Tech game to the front of the schedule. and. Maybe it's just myself imagining things, but you, know, you listen to, to quotes from the players and from the coaches. There's much more of a sense of urgency this uh, summer, leading into the fall practice. You are opening with Virginia Tech. You are not opening with uh, Samford like we have uh, in the past, or in the past we might have seen a Presbyterian who we have in week two, maybe being an opener for Tech. It's not that. It's Virginia Tech. And you know, just recalling you know Tech schedules of, of the past, I would say this is the biggest season opener for Tech since the 2006 Notre Dame game when. Uh, Brady Quinn, Charlie Wise, uh, Tom Zbikowski, and the Fighting Irish came to Dodd Stadium. And, of course, we saw College Game Day make its appearance on, on campus. We knew that was coming. That was certainly a big season opener. And I would say this is the biggest since then. You can argue it's even bigger than that game because it's an ACC game, because it's a Coastal Division game. But the buzz, I think, uh, really hasn't seen – we haven't seen anything like that since 2006. And I think that – although we lost that game against Notre Dame the Georgia Tech did – I would say that was a positive going forward, and I think maybe the build-up of that and the confidence we gained from that game might have been a reason why we were able to go on and win nine games that year and win uh, the Coastal Division Championship. So I, there's been a lot of conflicting opinions about having this game at the start of the year, uh, the Tech-Virginia Tech, Tech game. I like it. Now, ask me on September 4th whether we've won after we've won. Uh, hopefully, or would or, or be lost, and I might have a different answer for you at that point. But uh, so far, I really like it. I like the way that it seems really to focus guys here uh, in the offseason. Uh, so so let's get into some, now some news uh, from Georgia Tech. Some of the things that's kind of dominating the conversation this week. We are in summer practice, and they're entering two days, a few sets of two days down there at Rose Bowl Field. And... Really, there's only there's certain things you can look for, I think, in summer practice, others, and some things you can't. What I like to do as a fan, it's easy to get absorbed in it. Uh, it's easy to look at these quotes, try to overanalyze a lot of things. Well, I can tell you uh, what the coaches are going to say uh, pretty pretty much. Some days they're going to say, well, we came out really great today. We're excited, uh, but let's be cautious. Other days, well, we came out really sluggish. And, and you're going to have those days throughout the course of a summer practice season. And some of it is really the coaches spouting their opinions. Some of it is... Really, tactics. I would say from the coaching staff, how are they, how are they going to handle these players? And one way to do it is to uh, really say, "Look, guys, uh, you know, they shoot high." I say this practice wasn't that great; it wasn't that good. So you look at it, sometimes they'll say, "Well, we came out sluggish." I think those kinds of things are to be expected, uh, but I, I wouldn't read too much into those types of comments. And also, the other thing is too: every coach and every uh, every coaching staff in every program, uh, I believe really comes out and, and pr- tries to put a, something of a positive spin on the practice. Like, well, we've really put, come together our conditioning's great. Everyone always, every program always seems to emphasize its conditioning program in the off season. I, I think it's fairly unlikely that 120-plus college football programs are all seeing better conditioning in the off season. but that's just certainly an aside. Uh, but some things to take note of. One thing that really I think is, is interesting for fans to do, and what I always do when listening Uh, When reading these updates from practices, see who the guys are uh, that coaches are saying stand out coaches and other players. And usually there's a handful of guys that you're not used to hearing about before that are standing out. So, uh, just talking about a couple of them, I can tell you right now, just off the top of my head Fred Holton is a guy at safety that we didn't see a lot of last year. Of course, he was injured, so he redshirted. He will now be a redshirt freshman, Will Holton, the safety and a lot of guys are saying he hits really hard, he's an excellent defensive back, and he's the kind of guy that I would point to and now, looking forward, go, well, this guy could have something of a breakout redshirt freshman year and really put himself on the map. It's those kinds of things. When when other players, coaches will point out somebody that really deserves recognition. Now, another guy, Jabari Hunts days got some press early on in the in the practice uh, session and in the, in the spring, in spring ball as well because he was so athletic. He's a guy maybe you want to, to keep an eye on Um, Other guys I would say, I I think the the wide receiving battle is going to be something very interesting to follow, and I'll get into that when we talk about the position groups. Um, But other guys, you you know, guys I said, um, like Fred Holt, Lewis Young supposedly is having a very good summer practice as well, but uh, those of you following the news, he will be suspended for the Virginia Tech game, and uh, that's something I'll I'll have to get to here later in this episode. Uh, But other than that, I think a couple of the the abacks that are really getting a lot of work. Robbie Goddye, uh is an example of something, somebody that really we didn't know much of at all. And uh, before this summer practice season, he's come out, and the players and the coaches are really saying a lot of positive things about him. So, circle those couple of names, and uh, really, that's those are the kinds of things I look for when I when I read about summer practice. Who are the standouts? Who are the coaches and the players they're mentioning? Now, uh, let me get to uh, a couple of position group discussions. I want to do that here uh, in this inaugural episode of Jacket Talk. I'm going to try to get, I think I divided the team into nine position groups. I'm going to try to get to three a week uh, leading up to the season opener at Virginia Tech. And let's start on the offensive side of the ball. Let's go out from the ball and we'll start uh, with the headliner, uh, which is the quarterback situation. And that's, of course, on any team uh, is the subject of a lot of fan and media attention, as it should be. Quarterbacks are very important positions but probably even more so this summer and this season for Georgia Tech fans uh, on the co- quarterback competition between Tevin Washington and the cast that is challenging him. Now, we knew coming in that Tevin Washington was going into summer practice as a star. and It looks like so far from the, coach, from the comments from Coach Johnson, uh, Coach Will Hannon and players that it is still Washington firmly in the lead. And I have always been of the position that Washington will start Game 1, and if i had to lay money on it i think barring injury he will start all 12 games now there's a lot of fans don't like that a lot of fans do like that i don't like that but not for the reasons you might think i, I really do like tevin washington and i am comfortable with him back there and the differences between him and a guy like vadley or a guy like Sengin dace have been well hashed out by the media uh, tevin is the safe pick the sure pick washington and uh, day or excuse me uh, lee and dace so is supposed to be the more exciting Uh, picks maybe the bigger big play candidates bigger play than tevin washington but yeah i like tevin i like uh that he seems to have a good grasp of the offense how to run the triple option and it's not like i'm rooting against the guy at all the reason i was personally hoping that somebody would beat him out would be that well washington tevin washington is a known commodity and if we're able to have a guy like senjin days or vad lee beat him out then that would mean that they are even better but uh, that hasn't appeared to happen, and it looks like that the senior, Kevin Washington, and the recent graduate uh, of the Institute of Georgia Tech, he graduated uh, this summer, uh, will be the starter. And uh, looking at it, it looks like Senjin Days uh, will be moved to ABAC, or at least will take a lot of snaps at ABAC, which I'm okay with. Days is a very capable runner. Those of us that saw him in games like the Miami game, the Georgia game last year, he had a, real, a lot of really good carries. Uh, his flaws seem to be that he is not a great Handle the ball, and that he has been known to f- uh, fumble it uh, if he's uh, if he's hit or pressured. Uh, the other thing being his passing not as strong as we might uh, we might have hoped for a quarterback uh, in the triple option offense. So I'd like to see him still in that quarterback co- uh, competition with Washington with Vadalise, and I think he'll remain there. But uh, maybe his time is best used on the field at ABAC. Uh, and, of course, Vad Lee, really internet hero, message board hero. Uh, a lot of people excited about him. Supposedly, he came in, uh, you know, I think he was a North Carolina Player of the Year by services in high school, and a lot of people were expecting him to come in and contribute right away. He hasn't done it yet. Of course, he registered last year. And this year, uh, you'll know, likely get some action. But if you look at the depth chart that was released this week by Coach Johnson, and I have, and I'm sure that... A lot of you guys, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you certainly have look at the depth chart. Lee is now a number three in the quarterback depth chart, behind Washington and Sinjin Days, whereas he was a co-number two, listed as a co-number two with Days. At the start of practice, Um, not great for the bad Lee fans, but uh, at the end of the day, I I think this will be. This has always been Tavon Washington's job. And the question, the questions are twofold here. The question is twofold when you look at the quarterback situation for the fall twenty twelve. Number one, perhaps most important, what happens if the unthinkable happens? Well, the Tavon Washington has to go down, or he goes down the injury. What happens? Uh, and I think we'll see probably a mix of either Sinjin days and or Vad Lee back there. And how does that make people feel? Uh, not great. I think uh, you want to go with your number one option that the coaches, coaching staff puts out there, which is Tevin Washington, but uh, I think a lot of experience for Days and or Lee could vote very well for the future as well. But that's a quarterback position group uh, review. We'll have Washington at number one and Days and Lee uh, following at two and three. Justin Thomas is the highly recruited, well, highly, highly, I guess, for Tech, as I much as I hate to admit it, four-star quarterback. Out of Alabama, that actually uh, switched from Alabama to Tech. supposed to be blazing fast, and he's a guy who, in practice updates, people hear that people are raving about, but don't think he'll see the field. Think he'll probably get redshirted this year, but that's the quarterback situation. Now, offensive line looks to be a strong, uh, a strong, really strong position group for the Yellow Jackets. As anybody who's read uh, comments from the coaching staff this this summer practice season, Coach Johnson said it's most comfortable he's been with his offensive line since he's been. Uh, at Tech, and that's, the offensive line has been something that I think is, it's overlooked by a lot of the members of the media and the fan base as to uh, its importance to Georgia Tech and its importance to the way the offense works, but even in years 08 and 09, when Tech won 9 and then 11 games and then winning the ACC title in 2009, the the offensive line was not tremendous. And In fact, many situations, and that's one of the reasons that Josh Nesbitt was not able to, to, uh, have the kind of passing numbers you would have hoped you would have had, that that line kept getting shredded, by, shredded like cheese every time he, he would drop back. And It's been something that Tech has not really had the numbers, at the offensive line and that offensive line group since Johnson was here until this year. And Some people will go back and look at the Chan Gailey recruiting years, and if you note, for example, uh, that, two, that great 2007 class, which was ranked top 15 by a lot of sources and gave us guys like Jonathan Dwyer, Derek Morgan, Uh, Etc. That only had a couple offensive linemen, and the class before it didn't have any offensive linemen either. Uh, And then '08 uh, Johnson's first class, but it was kind of one of those tweener classes. Had Omorga Uzi, which uh, we'll get to him. But that was, although a great contributor, was the only lineman I believe, or only lineman that's contributed out of that class. So really, though, this year Tech has finally built up a number of years of strong offensive line recruiting, getting those numbers up. Where uh, some injuries, if they happen on the O line, which is Mike Common will not decimate this team because really Tech has some of the numbers, some of the guys, the backup position, backing them up to throw out there and do well. And uh, really the offensive line, I think, anchored by Uzi, uh, preseason second team All-American, is going to be a strength. You have uh, Trey Braun, uh, Chamberlain, uh, guys along the offensive line uh, that uh, are going to be a, a strong, really a strong point uh, for Tech going forward. Uh, the third position group we're going to look at, is going to be the B-back situation. We have David Sims, who's changed numbers, Uh, by the way. I think he's changed to 20 or something in the 20s. He had number 7, but he changed it uh, going into this season. Sims will maintain the number 1 position at B-back. Zach Lasky, number 37, will back him up. Um, Lasky had some good games last year. You wouldn't wouldn't know him as an explosive kind of back. Um, Maybe that... uh, some of the other guys are, but great yards per carry, and coaches have thought enough of him to put him second in the b back position. Third would be Charles Perkins. Perkins is a guy who uh, hasn't really come into his own at Tech yet. He was very highly recruited, or at least highly touted, when he came to Tech. He was ranked as one of the top running backs in the state in his class, and he's been a guy that a lot of guys, a lot of fans were hoping would take the place uh, of somebody like Jonathan Dwyer. Uh, at B-back and become the next explosive B-back to play for Paul Johnson, or excuse me, Jonathan Dwyer, and then Anthony Allen. People were hoping that Perkins would be a guy that follows him, but he really hasn't, that really hasn't happened yet. Some of that's been, I think, due to his fumbling issues, which the coaches have talked about, uh, and and some of that m- maybe has just been the the play of some of the other players and David Sims being one of them. Of course, Dave, uh, or Sims is, one of the, is a converted quarterback. He came to Tech as a quarterback and uh, just decided, I think that's, Maybe something of an example to send Jim Days who could maybe try to get himself into a starting running back spot after being recruited here as a quarterback. But that's it. That's it for the update on the three position groups. We'll get to three more next week as we continue with episode two of Jacket Talk. But don't go anywhere. We're still. Uh, we're still a couple more things to discuss. Uh, one note I was going to say was a, is a note on recruiting. Um, I am. Not gonna really get that much into recruiting. You can, if you are a recruiting enthusiast, I'm sure you can look at the Scout.com, Rivals.com, uh, ESPN recruiting sites, any of those uh, to fill your heart's desire. I'm not gonna go through target by target. Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not gonna do the Michael Michael Carvel of the AJC, the TMZ uh, recruiting reporting, who got snubbed, who got this scholarship pulled. I'm not doing any of that. Um, I will make general comments on recruiting. If they occur to me something along the lines of, well, I'm really, really excited the way that we're recruiting this year or I'm not, and I'll I'll, pretty much go just as far as that. Now, I do have a special affinity and passion for college basketball recruiting, which if I get into, if we get into college basketball and we'll get into Georgia Tech basketball later in the year, I perhaps uh, will address a little bit. Um, but that's a little easier to manage too because there's fewer players. But overall, I'm not going to get that much in recruiting, so don't worry. Uh, for those of you, I'm not, gonna, uh, I'm not going to indulge you with a lot of 40 times uh, and bench presses and all that, so don't worry about that. Lastly, let's get to a – uh, I'll briefly discuss some of the going-ons around the ACC uh, in terms of ACC football. I will talk about some larger Atlantic Coast Conference issues if the discussion is there. And they present themselves to me, but I'm not going to do that today. just going to go around a couple, a couple of news and news and notes and maybe give my opinions on them from around the league. Uh, first, a story that really came down last week was that Sammy Watkins, the ACC Freshman of the Year, uh, and the absolute stud wide receiver um, split in from Clemson, will be suspended for their first two games. And of course, then the big one uh, is the first one, the opener against Auburn in the Georgia Dome. A little bit of a surprise. A lot of people were saying that he would get suspended for games 3 and 4. And I'm a little shocked that he was suspended for Auburn, but it's the the correct thing and the politically correct thing to do for for Dabo Swinney. And, and along those lines, right here in Atlanta with us, Georgia Tech, Lewis Young suspended from the Virginia Tech game uh, for selling his tickets to the Tech-Georgia game. And I will comment on that briefly. The, he was caught, and those are the NCAA rules, and I am glad the way that we that Georgia Tech uh, and Paul Johnson, Coach Johnson, have dispensed with these punishments, um, taking them out of meaningful games, taking him out of the Sun Bowl, and for those of you that uh, laugh at that, I would say, looking at the way that Utah shredded our secondary in the end of that game, I think we could have very much used uh, Lewis Young there in that fourth quarter uh, to help break that bowl streak that it didn't happen, so I, I think that certainly hurt us, and you, And uh, we paid for it, and uh, I think not suspending for Virginia Tech game would be something of a Mark Richt move, something of a Bobby Bowden move, something that really Georgia Tech is not. Um, Those are the rules, and we're going to suspend you uh, if we're playing our top division rival, which we are. So I'm comfortable with the suspension, but I will say, and I I will say, I know it didn't say a rule, but if you go, and I, I hate to be one like this because I know I hate, I hate it when. Auburn fans or Bama fans say, oh, well, everybody does this, everybody does that. But if you go to any program in college football, players are are giving tickets away, and they're getting money for them. And, and that's just – it's an opinion I have, and it's something that if you go to any game and you see a lot of scalpers around for, for highly uh, highly sought-after tickets, um, and a lot of them seem to be clustered around the player, <laughs> player friends and family section – it's because they are given away. They're just not dumb enough to get caught, which I guess Lewis, uh, Lewis um, was going to sell them to a friend through Will Call, which uh, is not something you want to do, especially when you don't tell your friend not to ask about the tickets or not to talk about the tickets to the ticket staff. So that was uh, probably more of a failure. That was a failure of stupidity, I guess, on Lewis's part. But... Uh, I'm sure he will learn from that and move on, but it's a shame that for something so small and, let's say, probably common around the country, we have to lose a guy, um, one of our better players, for one of the biggest games of the year. But to continue around the league, uh, other notes, a lot lot of teams are are getting ready for uh, the fall. And, well, one team that uh, one. Probably bad team that just got worse. C.J. Brown, starting the uh, the predicted starting quarterback for Mar- the Maryland Terrapins, tore his ACL in practice this week, and he was out for the year. So uh, the snowball that is descending into muck, that is the Maryland football program, uh, just picked up a little more steam, a little more speed, uh, as it looks like what was going to be a bad Maryland team... Uh, it's going to get worse, and, and we'll cross our fingers and hope that the Jackets can take care of business up there in College Park, but uh, I don't think that Randy Edsel is going to spend a lot of time up there in College Park. I think he is probably gone after this year, maybe next year, just the the way that the, knowing the way that that alumni and fan base is reacting to him. But on those two notes, Watkins out at Clemson, and uh, Brown suspended from Maryland, or uh, injured, and it's going to be missing this year for the maryland terrapin something to look at as we kind of go through a, the atlantic coast conference season well guys that does it for the first episode of jacket talk i'm scott reed hoping to set up some uh listener feedback by the time we start our next episode so be on the lookout for uh an email address maybe even a phone number call in if you want some uh want to give your opinions on the jackets But that does it for episode one of Jacket Talk. I'm Scott Reed. We'll see you next week. Go Jackets.